Well, let's get right to it. <laughs> you guys excited about this? Pornography. Let's start. Wait, 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 wait. Don't do yeah. yeah, yeah, don't clap for that. <laughs> That's not, no, you're right. It's, it's one of those uh, topics, you know, that, uh, that uh, we talk about once every 20 or 30 years or so. Uh, no. <laughs> Isn't it funny how one of the biggest problems is such a hard topic to talk about in, in many ways? And um, I think uh, the problem is, you know, with pornography, of course, is how secretive it is and how shameful it tends to be. And so nobody really loves talking about it. Um, and, uh, and yet, it, it's one of the things that I think is plaguing the church, particularly. Um, it seems that there's not much difference between the av average, you know, secular Joe um, versus the average holy Joe. Uh, as far as people who are engaging in, uh, you know, pornography and using pornography and what have you. And so, you know, from time to time here at Ironworks, it's good for us. We, um, by the way, we covered this. Uh, this is like the first one was, <laughs> we did an Ironworks way back um, in, uh, what was that, 2016 of November. Uh, we did one on personal purity. And during that one, we went over some tools. And you might want to review that one if you get a chance. You can go on our website and just look up Ironworks, uh, you know, under our teachings, and, and you can get to that personal purity one. But we also talked about a lot of the, the tech and, and what you can do to sort of put some filters and some accountability. We talked about covenant eyes and, and even how to uh, make your own Wi-Fi sort of accountable and stuff like that. So we, we've talked about that stuff um, but today, I'd like to sort of piggyback on what we talked about then and, um, and maybe do a few reminders of uh, some of the, the things we need to be thinking about as brothers in the church. And uh, wouldn't, it be, wouldn't it be great if, if Satan would sort of lose this stronghold? You know, this is one of those strongholds that needs to be taken down. And, uh, and we, need to, we need to go get serious about it. Um, and so uh, today we're going to zero in on this uh, kind of a no holds, holds bar, barred discussion on pornography. Um, you know, um, books have been written um, uh, and, you know, software has been created. <laughs> uh, groups have been started, accountability groups and, you know, recovery groups and stuff like that. But what you'll find is people are still just generally struggling with this, uh, the sin of lust and pornography and uh, this temptation. And, um, you know, the scriptures say things like this, I will put no wicked thing before my eyes. Um, and you're like, well, man, how can, I, how can I get to where I can say that with boldness, like the psalmist? You know, I will put no wicked thing for, before my eyes. Well, um, this morning I have the answer. I have the answer to all the things you all been looking for for a long time, and it's, it's a, this is a sure fire way to knock out prone addiction once and for all. And there are four words, get ready to write them down, four words that uh, I think will help you and, and, and it's gonna, it might even be a little shocking to, to blow pornography's grip, grip out of your life. And here it is, you ready? Don't look at it. <laughs> Don't look at it. Did you guys write that down? I'm, seeing, I'm hoping some of you guys are writing that. I don't need to, but I, I want my money back, man. That's, that's not, that doesn't, uh, that's not helpful. Um, you know, I, I know what you're thinking. You know, you're, you're thinking, Brent, that's not going to help anybody. Just don't look at porn uh, for sure. But I have to, um, I have to uh, agree with you on a certain level. Of course, there's probably more to it, and it's um, a little more complex than that. But 
I also think that the Bible sort of handles it that way. Now, when the Bible handles it like that, shouldn't we? Like this verse that I just put in front of you, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. That's just don't look at porn. Like that's what that verse is saying. You're making this declaration, I'm just not gonna look at porn. First uh, Peter chapter 2, 11 kind of has the same kind of you know, thing. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Um, and um, you, know, you say, well, you, can't, you can't just you know, not look at porn. Well, Nike thinks you can do stuff. They say, you know, just do it, you know, just do it. And, and if you, you know, if, 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 if you kind of consider it, you know, working out or getting, you know, your skills and athleticism honed in, and if it's just a matter of willpower, just do it, man, then, then why shouldn't we? I mean, I'm not saying that's the only answer, but, you know, we, we've, we've become, and I'm just going to try to say this as carefully as I can. We've become this mamby-pamby mentality society that says, oh, it's not that simple, it's so complex. You know, you know, conquering pornography, but don't you know there's some psychology and neurotransmitters and, and there's all kinds of you know, chemicals and, and it's way more complicated than just, just don't look at porn. Um, and and, and um, you know, it's interesting to me because um, one of our human weaknesses, I think we love to overcomplicate true solutions and somehow makes us feel better about our failures. Now some of you are like, well, Brett, what do you know? I mean, obviously, well, listen, um, I know what it is to struggle. You know, it's very similar uh, things that happen in the human brain uh, when you're a person like me and you eat a hamburger. You know, like, like it's funny. Um, but, but have you never noticed how many diet books are out there? I've read a bunch of them and I've been on a bunch of different diets and I've failed and had success. I've lost over 200 pounds or 100, well, I've lost like 300 pounds in my lifetime, but um, I've lost a couple of you guys, I think. Uh, um, <laughs> you're half the man I am. Um, <laughs> I, I've lost 100 pounds twice uh, in, in like consecutive, you know, just, uh, and, and uh, man, you know, it, it's a struggle. I'll, I'll just admit that. I mean, it's, it's obvious. It's not, nothing I'm trying to hide here, but it, it's the same thing. It really is the same thing. And yet, what's amazing, uh, uh, no, I know how to lose weight. The problem is I like burgers too much, man, uh, and pizza. Uh, I don't like candy, I'm not into, it's just all about the burgers, pizza, Mexican food, well, just feed me, you know, and I'm happy. Um, people say, Brett, how do you do it? How do you run such a, a giant church and teach and you do five services and you, you know, you got 120 staff members and, you know, how do you do it? I eat. Uh, I know it's bad, I, I, trust me. Don't come and say, hey, I'm an athletic trainer, I'll help you out, Brett. I've only got about 100 of those guys talking to me every weekend. Uh, don't come and talk to me, but, but the funny thing is, I've read the books, you can buy, I, I always like this one, and I've shared this with you guys before, but the, do you remember the infomercial where you get the little electrodes you stick to your abs? Wouldn't that be great if that were, you know, I just strap about 50 of those on my stomach and just kind of go to sleep, and you'd wake up, you know, chiseled. Uh, wouldn't that be great? Uh, but the problem is, um, is, some of you probably even try, I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands, uh, but some of you probably tried those electrode things and you oh, that, they don't work, bummer. There's no magical pill. But actually what you gotta do is just eat healthy. You know, carbs in, or you know, calories in, calories out. You gotta work out, you gotta eat, you know, decent food, you, can't, you gotta watch the quantity. Like it's really a basic, I understand that, but it's that part of me that, you know, I, part, of, part of me wants to do it, part of me kind of never thinks about it and I just enjoy food. So 
the problem is, it's just a struggle. It's a big struggle for me. And a lot of guys have struggles and a lot of different things. I, I really think the porn addiction thing is very similar. We, we know what we need to not do. Don't look at porn. But there's books out there and there's things out there that people will say, oh, there's, it's a very complicated thing, Brad. And, and, and there's no way guys are really just gonna conquer that by just don't look at porn. But I, I just wanna slow us down a little bit from that. I'm gonna talk about some things we can do and things we can think about to try to help us because there are tools and the Bible gives us several things, but, but, but it does kind of get down to the same thing. We have to kind of want it. We have to kind of say, you know what? Pornography is wrong and evil and it's hurting me and it's hurting my family. So I'm just gonna not look at it. I'm not gonna you know, make any provision for myself to be able to engage in that. It's a choice we're gonna have to make. And that, that's the hard part, uh, that's the tough thing. You know, it, it's almost like when, when I mentioned last week, hey, we're gonna talk about pornography. I, I bet you, some of you guys have been wrestling with this all your life, um, as long as you can almost remember, and you're thinking, oh, Pastor Brett's gonna talk about pornography. Hopefully he comes up with the magical thing that's gonna really change. And, 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 I, and I hear you, man, I, I, but I, I don't wanna pretend, and, and there's a lot of people that do pretend to have all the answers, uh, and they'll say, you will conquer this if you do this and this and this, and, and I know guys have tried everything and struggled. But the Bible actually gives us some really good tools uh, to use to, so that we don't look at porn. Uh, and, and the Lord is more compassionate, by the way, than even that. And I, I hope we can get that in there today. So, so porn, in fact, is a problem. Um, you know, the U.S. Department of Justice, of all places, um, said this uh, just this year. Never before in the history of, the, of telecommunications media in the United States has so much indecent and obscene material been so easily accessible by so many minors in, in so many American homes with so few restrictions. That's the Department of Justice. They're worried. Why is the Department of Justice worried about obscene material going into homes, going into you know, young people um, at earlier ages with more accessibility to these things? It's because they see the handwriting on the wall. Sexual predators and sexual deviants and, and uh, you know, uh, crimes, sexual crimes and stuff. It's on the rise and it's, it has to do with this idea of introducing pornography to younger people at a higher rate and it's more accessible and they're worried, they're worried. Um, Clay Olson, a co-founder and CEO of Fight the New Drug, he said this material is more aggressive, more harmful and more violent more degrading and damaging than any other time in history of the world. And this generation uh, growing up is dealing with it at an intensity and a scale no other generation in the history of the world has ever had to. Now, you know, that's kind of obvious. I think we'd all say, yeah, pretty much with, you know, tech and, and um, you know, accessibility, even, you know, our smartphones are the world in your pocket. And, um, uh, you know, what a, what a disservice we've done to ourselves. According to a Barna Group study way back in 2016, I'm sure it's worse than this. This was the most recent one I could find on this particular one. But in 2016, 41% of practicing Christian boys, so we're talking about a specific group, young boys that are Christian, uh, Christian kids, 13 to 24 years old, 41% of them use porn at least once a month, 41%. Um, 23% of practicing Christian men, uh, 25 years old and older, use porn at least once a month. 
Um, and one of the things is, you know, a lot of guys, you know, if, you know, if you're a, a guy that was raised in the church, you thought, I would never do that. Um, I would never fall into sexual sin or, or whatever. But um, Bill Perkins said this, if you think you can't fall into sexual sin, then you're godlier than David, stronger than Samson, and wiser than Solomon. I thought that was pretty well put. You know, these Bible characters, man, they all fell into sexual sin. And, and it's, it's something the Bible doesn't even pull the punches when we hear about what happened with David, Solomon, and with Samson. They were all uh, struck with the sexual sin. And by the way, all, all three of those guys ended up really suffering because of their sexual sin. That's the thing. You know, um, you know, our world says, what's wrong with a little harmless, you know, visual stimulation? Isn't it interesting? Have you guys seen, the world is coming out now saying, yeah, we gotta quit porn. Like even the secular, you know, people that could care less about God are starting to say it's hurting, hurting our lives. And it's, it's an amazing thing that uh, we've got this huge industry that just keeps rolling forward. Meanwhile, just in a, a huge destructive um, path. And, and so part of this, I wanna, um, I wanna kinda identify the problem of porn and, and talk about it just so we can kinda get on the right wavelength of what's going on. But there's, there's something that we kinda look at as called the porn cycle um, that happens in a man that I think we should identify. And you can maybe jot down these four things because I think as we identify these things, you know, you can start to identify what is it within you personally, because every guy's kinda wired, wired differently that sort of triggers um, you know, wanting to look at stuff that is godless, sinful, and gonna hurt us. What is it that triggers that? And you kind of have to sort of consider the porn cycle. And so the first thing, the first thing that happens, of course, is the temptation. Uh, the temptation. This can come out of nowhere. You guys know what I'm talking about. You could be singing a happy worship tune, you just minding your own business at work or whatever, uh, thinking about the scriptures and can't wait for church on Sunday, and then all of a sudden, bam, a thought. Uh, that enters your head, and I call those fiery darts. The Bible talks about how Satan likes to throw these fiery darts, um, and it's often when you least expect it, you know, and there's so many things. Some, someone walking by wearing something that's uh, not really covering much or revealing or whatever, and your mind goes from holiness and the Lord to, bam, lust and, uh, you know, sexual impurity, and then, and then that temptation that came your way. It's not like you act on that particular situation, but it starts your mind in this porn cycle that will ultimately lead you to looking at pornography. And you have to kind of identify, what, what is that, you know? So the first thing is the temptation, then you have to kind of look at the situation. What's the situation? And there's patterns that happen, um, and, and it's funny because there's been studies done on this, you know? And it's interesting how um, those that study these things say your brain sort of works in, in a pattern where um, you, you start to kind of move into activities that sort of accommodate um, our behavior. Um, once you have that thing in your heart of lust, um, what do you do with that? And um, you know, there, there's different things. Some guys uh, try to uh, have some time just with their iPhone alone and start looking at stuff because that, that trigger that happened with the temptation, um, they start to kind of, it, it's not that they're suddenly looking at porn, but they almost, and some people don't even think about it, they sort of put themselves in a situation. 
uh, where they're not accountable, they're home alone, or they're in their truck looking at their phone, or, or they're uh, you know, just in a situation where they're with their computer in their office or whatever, where nobody, you know, and, and you, you gotta make yourself in the situation where you can sort of start to fall into sin. You see, so far we haven't really entered into the sin yet. Just because you saw something that triggered, you know, like it was a temptation, doesn't mean that you've sinned at this point. These first two are just the things that start to lure you in. So you got the temptation, you got the situation, but this is where, you know, you gotta, you sort of gotta break this pattern, by the way. This is where it's great when you can do something. We'll talk more about this in a second, but let me share with you Romans 13 before I give you the next two. Um, Romans 13, 14, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. So, so at this point in our, in our sort of list, we, you know, we've got the, the temptation, the situation, and this is where you have to say, I, I'm not gonna allow for that. I'm not gonna allow the situation to lead me into a, uh, you know, where I'm actually getting lured uh, in, into this next one. And the next one, well, this is the transgression, and this is when you engage in the sinful act. Now, by the way, you can go through all three of these just standing on a street corner and doing nothing. You can get, you can get into number three just standing there. If you, if you see something, that is tempting, lustful, and then you, you, the situation is do you, you know, turn away and don't, make, or do you just stand there and gaze longingly, lustfully, um, that's when suddenly you're in transgression, when you're just purposefully looking as long as you can, and luck, uh, you know, that, that you, you can go through these three in a, in a, in a millisecond, um, but that's where you gotta make not provision to fulfill the lust. A guy's gotta get good at being Joseph. What do you mean being Joseph? Remember Joseph of the Old Testament? one of my heroes, remember he, you know, you gotta know Potiphar's wife was probably, you know, beautiful, you know? Um, and I say that because Potiphar was like a huge dude. He was, he was powerful. Um, Potiphar was like the commander of the whole Egyptian army. And he probably had this dialed in beautiful wife. Now he's out of town and, and the wife is coming on to Joseph over and over. Come Joseph, lie with me. And Joseph you know, I love his re response. Uh, he runs for his life. Just like 1 Corinthians, you know, flee fornications. 1 Corinthians 6 says, run for your life. And that's exactly what Joseph does. Even when she grabs his coat, remember? He takes off and, and leaves his coat behind. Like, remember in the playground when you're a kid, you know, and somebody chased you and they grabbed your coat, you just kind of wiggle out your coat. <laughs> and they're standing there holding your coat. That's all great, unless you're Joseph, of course. She uses that against him to say, look, he was in here and, and all that. But, but Joseph still, he did the right thing. He ran um, from that temp temptation. So he had the temptation, hey Joseph, come lie with me. The situation, Potiphar was out of the house. It was just him and her. Like this is a situation for disaster. So I love, he, you know, he, Romans 13, 14. Uh, or 1 Corinthians 6, where you, know, you gotta flee fornication. You gotta make not provision for the lust of the flesh. And Joseph bolts. And this is where you and I as men need to get really good at you know, um, stopping it at number two. Turn your head and look the other way. Have something for your brain to do other than just sit there and gawk. Um, you've gotta engage your brain in something else. We'll get into that in a second. So now you're in the transgression and sadly, you know, you, you, this is where the devil has you where he wants you. Once you're in number three, mission accomplished, Satan's gotcha. Um, and that stronghold in your life is getting stronger and built up and, uh, and, and guys get more and more 
uh, trouble from, from this. Um, but then the fourth thing and the final part of the porn cycle is this humiliation, the humiliation. And, um, you know, depending on what we're talking about here, you could, you could be talking about just sitting there, you know, gazing at a girl uh, longer than you should have and then you're kind of ashamed, like, what am I doing? Um, and, and Satan will be quick to remind you what a jerk you are and remind you how harmful that is to your wife. Uh, and, and pretty soon you're, you're feeling, you know, kind of sick of yourself, you know, and, and this is true with, you know, if we're talking about that or if you're going and looking at porn and masturbation and all that stuff, you know, you, you, you think, oh yeah, this is gonna be a fulfillment of my greatest fantasies and that promises big and delivers little. And then afterward, um, you know, you're just kind of like, man, I'm just a sick dude. I'm, I'm perverted and I'm weird. And Satan will remind you, you know, Satan is the accuser of the brethren and he loves to accuse. So when you've sinned, man, that's the thing. This is where you feel a deep sense of shame. Um, and you realize you've been cheated because it didn't deliver like it promised. And, and, and now you're guilty and Satan is there to condemn you. Um, and so, you, you know, this is, this is the porn cycle. And, and then you feel bad about yourself enough to where you kind of think, man, I blew it and uh, I messed up. And then, and then, you know, <clears throat> the next temptation comes and you're like, well, I already blew it once. I'm already a loser and I'm already, and you kind of have this thing where you're down on yourself and it's sort of easier than to get back into number one and number two and then you just kind of cave. And pretty soon a guy just starts living a life, you know, going around in the porn cycle. And that, that's what happens. Um, and so that's where you and I have to start talking about, well, how do you get out of this porn cycle? Um, because Brett, you told us just don't look at porn. Well, if we're, if we're talking specifically about pornography, um, that's a huge step in the right direction. Because you, uh, you know, pornography, you have to kind of go and engage in it. It's something you have to kind of take up and do. You know, the, the, the lustful thought just out on the street corner, that's gonna be with you to the day you die. So we still need to conquer this thing. But when it comes to the idea of pornography, what is it that lures men and women, by the way, you know, um, they're, they're showing statistics that are interesting that you know, it's, this is not just the man's problem anymore. Um, more and more, uh, this, is not, this is a problem for women too. It's a much smaller percentage, but it's, that percentage number's growing. Um, and it's just our culture, you know, force feeding sinful stuff on us. Um, but, but all that to say, you know, how do you get, how do you overcome this porn cycle. Um, and, and this is where I need to get a little nerdy for a second, if you'd allow me. Uh, it's not hard for me. Um, uh, and we'll, then we'll focus on what the Bible has to say, but let's go a little nerdy. Now, let's talk dopamine for a second. There's, um, you know, dopamine is that substance, that chemical, in, in, you know, in the brain that is kind of incredible. When you, when you study it, it's, it's such a weird deal. Um, you know, uh, it, it's, it's that which kind of gives you this sense. Uh, dopamine is released when you do something, um, engage in something that sort of brings, brings you pleasure. Um, and, uh, you know, and a normal person, uh, you know, just uh, there's certain levels of dopamine when you hear a funny joke and you laugh or you watch a movie or hear a song that you like or eat some food. Some of us go crazy with that do dopamine. Um, you know, you eat a hamburger that's so good, you're like, oh, it's like, you know, hamburger bliss. You know, that's dopamine. That, um, and there's other chemicals, by the way, but dopamine's the one that's kind of interesting. But um, I, I was reading on this uh, recently and um, there are some scientists that are making this argument and, and this is the statement that you'll hear out there that's interesting. There's no substance 
that releases dopamine um, more than anything. There's no bigger hit of dopamine than the hit that comes from pornography. Now, some of you are like, I don't know about that, Brett. You know, cocaine, uh, doing meth, uh, smoking weed, or like, what is it that you know you think is the biggest one? Well, there's scientists are saying, <clears throat> excuse me, that measure this stuff. They're saying there's no substance that releases a bigger dopamine hit than pornography. And that's, it. that's really something. Now, now, here's the problem, dopamine overproduction. Um, and what happens here? Um, many of the sexual behaviors that people turn to, uh, to indu induce this abnormal <coughs> amount of dopamine, um, uh, you know, uh, these, these, these things uh, really tweak out your body. Now, here's the problem, uh, by the way. Um, when did you first see pornography? Um, that's an interesting thing. And man, a lot of, a lot of men and women can tell some stories uh, that's crazy. Um, uh, I'll never forget when I first saw pornography, I was, I was a little kid walking down the street. We, we lived out in the country and, uh, and me and a buddy were just walking out on Highway 238 and we found uh, some magazine that the guy threw out of his car and on the, in the ditch. Uh, and uh, we couldn't believe it. Well, we thought, oh no, what, what do we do with this thing? And, and um, I'd never seen anything like it. I was just a little kid. Uh, and you know what's, here, here's what you guys, you guys all know what I'm talking about. It's amazing how those images, when I was just a little kid, were emblazed in my brain. I can remember those images um, to this very day. Um, and, and, and it's like, man, I can't even remember, uh, you know, uh, something that I just did 10 minutes ago. But it's, it's an amazing thing how those images are, are just emblazed in your mind. Um, I remember, you know, when I worked in, in my grandpa's auto parts as a young kid, we, I'd go and help, even in junior high, I'd go and help stock shelves at his motor, motorcraft Ford, uh, you know, uh, distributor warehouse. And, um, but we'd go, you know, we'd go to these Ford uh, motor company uh, places and I'd see calendars and stuff. You know, you guys know what I'm talking about. When you're a kid, you just, oh, there's a calendar. There's naked women on, on these calendars. And I remember those images. It's like, man, Lord, help me refer, just to forget uh, that stuff. Um, but it's amazing how your brain, because when you're a kid and you see something you're not supposed to be seeing and you know it, um, you know, as a kid, the dopamine levels go off the charts uh, when you're a little kid. And, um, you know, they found that this, this uh, early in introduction to the overproduction of dopamine um, cuts a deep channel in the heart and the mind of a young person, more so than when you're uh, an adult. Um, by the way, uh, many of the sexual behaviors that turn people to this and introduce people to uh, abnormal levels of dopamine include um, the, the, th the three top uh, things that, that do this. Number one, masturbation. Number two, viewing pornography. Number three, uh, participating in high-risk sexual activity. Those are the top three that produce uh, an overwhelming uh, over, uh, overproduction of dopamine. Um, and let's talk about this for a second. Isn't it interesting that the Bible is silent on masturbation? Um, this is an interesting one because you, you think, man, uh, in our culture, you, you wonder about ancient cultures. Was, was it as bad as it is in our culture? You know, and, and um, you know, whereas many, you know, people masturbating and, Brett, can we even talk about that at church? Uh, we are, and I am right now. <laughs> um, you know, 
it is interesting. Now, when the Bible is silent, we have to be careful because, and I say this, you know, when the Bible's silent, I'm gonna be silent. Um, and so that's the funny thing about masturbation. Can I show you a verse? Now we could talk about Onan. I call him Onan the barbarian. Does anybody know what Owen, Onan did in the Bible? This is like the only, like some people try to make this link to masturbation with Onan because remember what he did? He spilled his seed on the ground and he was cursed for that. Uh, so you say, well, Brett, that's it. Uh, that's the scripture we needed to make a mass. Well, if you read the context of the whole thing, it had more to do, his curse had more to do with him not, you know, uh, producing a child in the way that he was supposed to. So suddenly, like if you really look at it, and if you're honest, uh, that's a tough stretch to say, well, Onan's the example of why you shouldn't masturbate. But here's the thing. Um, I believe there's a logical uh, thing about masturbation that you and I need to think about. And because people say, Brett, is masturbation biblically wrong? Um, and I can't say there's a scripture and a verse on that, which is shocking. But uh, there's a bunch of scriptures. Let me ask you, are there scriptures about lusting after a woman? Oh, I'm glad you guys, three of you, you're like, yeah, the Bible says, the rest of you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jesus, Jesus talked about this, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, man, if you look at a, a woman with lust in your heart, you're guilty of adultery. Just looking at her with lust in your heart, that's, that's adultery right there. That's what Jesus said. Um, and, and, and the idea of lust, over and over, the Bible has much to say about, you know, about lust. And, and this is something that, um, you know, I, I, I hope we can all agree on without going into it too much. I'll give you some more scriptures here in a minute. But um, yeah, lust is sinful. And so then the question is, can, can you do this, engage in this act of masturbation without lusting? You see, that's the thing. I mean, uh, if it were possible um, for a person to just mechanically, you know, uh, pleasure oneself without thinking of anything sinful or evil, then maybe you could make an argument that masturbation is okay. But uh, I would make the argument that, I, and, and, and you know, most most uh, would agree, I think, that that's impossible. That's not even a, a reality. So it's what your brain has to do in order to engage in that behavior, and, and it's what your brain is doing that's the harmful part that the Bible says, run from it, flee fornication. Um, the word fornication is the word that is uh, the Greek word porneia, where we get our word pornography. And, and that's the thing that we're supposed to flee or run from. And so pornography, biblical definition, excuse me, of, of uh, fornication, by the way, is anything that's sexual outside of the boundary of marriage. Um, and uh, people don't like that because that tightens things up. Like it, it really does kind of put some nice bright lines for you and me as men, bright lines. Uh, you know, we love to fuzzy lines. Well, you know, if I, you know, if I'm with my girlfriend, and what if we do this and do that? Well, um, is it, does it have any, you know, sexual, you know, uh, quality to it? Uh, is there any arousal? Uh, that's for the marriage bed. That's for the the, the married couple. Uh, if you're doing anything that's engaging, that tends to lean toward sexual, and you know. It, it showed us back in the Bill Clinton administration when he said that depends on what the definition of is is. When our president of the United States didn't know what sex was, that's when you know we have a problem, you know? Uh, you know and and um, what he was doing there with Monica Lewinsky was very sexual. Um, I, I'm saddened to see even pastors today 
who try to say, well, it wasn't really sex. Uh, you know, it was, we just did this little thing, and, um, but it was consensual. Uh, you know, by the way, if you say something's consensual, um, it's sexual. Uh, so you, you can't, you, you know, we like to fuzzy these lines. The Bible gives us very bright lines. Um, the marriage bed is undefiled. Um, that's what the scriptures say. In fact, you can jot that down. This is a good verse, Hebrews 13, four. Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. That's what the Bible says. That's, that's like a heavy, heavy scripture. Um, so, you know, this idea of masturbation is something that I believe, while the Bible doesn't say you shouldn't do it, what your brain has to do to engage in it, um, the Bible does talk about, using your mind in a lustful way. Um, we're supposed to keep our minds, you know, stayed on good things. Think on things that are true, noble, pure, lovely, admirable, praiseworthy. You know, think on these things, the Bible says. Uh, keep your mind stayed upon the Lord and he will keep you on, in perfect peace. The Lord wants our minds, take captive, you know, take prisoner every thought that's not of God. That's, that's, that's the discipline God wants from us as men. Um, so, you know, this idea of masturbation is something that you have to let your brain go into territory that is not godly and not good. And thus, I believe the Bible is teaching us that we should run the opposite direction. So, um, so the top three, masturbation, viewing pornography, participating in high-risk sexual activities. And by the way, that last one, the riskier the sexual behavior, the more dopamine that science has found gets produced in response. That's why sex addicts uh, seek out more dangerous and riskier sexual activity uh, to, try to, to try to get that next fix of dopamine. And like I said, um, even more than some you know, drugs that people try to get that dopamine rush, these things offer the highest level of dopamine overproduction. You know, if sex is mixed, mixed by the way, this is crazy. If sex is mixed with pain, fear, or shame, it, uh, science has said it increases the rush uh, dopamine causes. Um, and, um, and so, you know, uh, greater feelings of, uh, of pseudo pleasure is what I'll call it. Uh, however, the brain, listen, this is where it gets weird. Your brain continues to regulate uh, dopamine processing. So what happens, you need to participate in something even more riskier or more perverted to get the same effect as the previous experience. Did you hear what I just said? Um, let's put it in easy terms. When you feed a monster, it gets bigger and stronger and it's gonna devour you. That's the problem with pornography and pornography addiction. Um, you know, um, <laughs> uh, I read an article uh, recently, this one guy was talking about, you know, pornography today isn't your grandfather's porn. Um, and and what, what, what happened is pornography has gotten so perverted and pushed so many limits um, that, that um, you know, it, it has to be more perverted, more crazy. And, and here's the sad thing. Um, so many young boys and girls are looking at their phones or their friends' phones at school um, that they're getting introduced to the creepiest, worst of the porn at very, very early ages when those are cutting deep channels into their brains um, that, that, that make this dopamine rush get more and more crazy. Um, now, now, I know what some of you guys are thinking, Brett, didn't God invent dopamine? I mean, have you thought about that? Oh, Lord, why didn't you give us a dopamine switch? 
You know, we can just turn on and off. Like, okay, let's turn that off for a few years. Uh, you know, like, like this, this, is, this is a rush I don't need, I don't want. Uh, the thing that drives us into further sin. Didn't God create dopamine? Yes, but what you have to understand, dopamine in the brain was given as a gift from God. And before the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, it was that thing that would be a, one of the most beautiful things of all. Sex inside of marriage is God's original plan. And as it turns out, dopamine was part of the plan to make sure that we had children. <laughs> you know, like if we didn't have any rush from sex, we'd all go, ew, we don't want any part of that. Uh, yeah, whatever. And then man would cease to exist. But because as soon as Adam woke up and saw Eve, ooga, like suddenly, <laughs> wow. Like, like, I don't mean to be weird about this, but do you ever wonder like, what was that moment like? You know, when Adam wakes up, he's like, what? I mean, he had, and you know, suddenly you got, you know, little Cain and Abel and stuff. Like suddenly, uh, why? Because there was this natural, beautiful attraction that made a husband and a wife love each other in a way that was, was physical, uh, that, that would, would allow for procreation and marriage and even pleasure. And that was from God. It was a gift from God. What you have to understand though, is it's Satan himself who has perverted this sexual uh, so-called pleasure and, 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 um, and what have you. Um, so the devil has exploited uh, God's creation with fornication. There's that word again. First Corinthians, you know, chapter seven, verses one and two, it says, now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication. Greek word, porneia. The word forna fornication there, porneia. Let every man have his own wife and every woman have her own husband. Um, by the way, all these people say, in the Bible, nobody ever talks about, you know, Jesus never condemns gay marriage. No, Jesus said in Mark, you know, chapter 10, uh, the, let every man have his own wife and wife have her own husband. Uh, let one man, one wife, like this whole narrative that, you know, gay marriage is all okay. It's all part of our sexually perversion, uh, dopamine, uh, uh, you know, uh, addicted sort of culture. And we've sort of made stuff up to sort of fit our narrative. But the Bible says, nope, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. And within this confines, there's no fornication. But this is the verse that kind of says, if you're touching a woman and it doesn't, the word touch there means, you know, in a sensual kind of way. When, when you cross that line into sort of a sensual sort of touch, um, that's what's called fornication. So to avoid fornication, sensually touching a woman who's not your wife, then, then you need to be married. That's what the Bible says about this. Well, the Bible's old and outdated. Nope, we are perverted and sinful. That's the problem. And our culture has gotten so far that the Bible seems rather stodgy and stoogy and, and sort of uh, prim and proper. But this is the way God intended it. That if you're gonna have any sexual activity, it's within the marriage, the confines of marriage. Um, Man, I hope you fathers and grandfathers, I, I think unless you very carefully and lovingly, but consistently get this ingrained in your young boys and, and sons in their hearts, they gotta get this early. Well, Brad, I'm thinking about having that talk uh, with my son. Well, how old is he? 18, I think. Uh, Dad, hello. Uh, come on, are, we, are you kidding me? Um, no, uh, I think, you know, this is so difficult in our age and our culture, but um, you know, my son Joey, he was introduced to pornography in second grade. 
Second grade, a kid came to school with cutout pictures from his dad's you know, penthouse magazine. And he was selling each picture for 25 cents. This guy was an entrepreneur in second grade. Archer Glen Middle School in Sherwood, like a purveyor of pornography right there. Um, and you know, here, here's me as a dad wanting to kill someone. Uh, and I had to kind of repent of that and say, okay, Lord, calm me down. And because, you know, I, I, Debbie and I were doing everything we knew how to do to try to protect, you know, my son Joey from that. And, um, and but, you know, fortunately, uh, we were able to have conversations before second grade about what little boys do and what they, would, what they might bring to school. We already had the conversation. And, um, and, and so it was kind of cool because um, when, as soon as that happened, Joey came right home and said, Dad, you'll never believe what happened. Like we had this good conversation and we, we started talking about, now what do you do with that? And how, you know, how do we think? And, um, and, and it, was, it was a helpful thing. And by the way, Joey and I to this day have conversations. He's a grown man. Uh, married man, and, and uh, he and I, uh, you know, we talk about this and we wanna hold each other can- accountable as a father and son, and, and it's part of what we do. Um, you know, covenant eyes is something that I think is a good thing to have between fathers and sons on your app, on your devices, your, your iPhones, your iPads, your computers. Um, it's a good thing to know what each other, you know, holding each other accountable, dads and sons, that's a good thing. But that starts like in, Three-year-old, like you have, to, you have to teach your kids what's appropriate, what's inappropriate, because we live in a perverted world and you cannot fully protect them no matter how bad you try. Uh, you, you need to equip them before you just kind of find out, ooh, what happened? Um, so fornication, pornea, uh, the devil's exploited God's creation, including the production of dopamine and sort of making it so that we become uh, sort of addicted to this uh, rush of dopamine. And it's killing us, it's hurting us. <clears throat> By the way, um, according to um, uh, Society of Andrology and Sexual Medicine, um, uh, there was an article, internet porn is killing young men's sexual performance. Um, I don't think this shocks us, but young men are getting into porn now at, at their earlier years, at their peak dopamine levels and neuroplasticity which leaves deeper ruts in their sexual tastes. Um, that's what this article kind of teaches. Now, the, the dopamine levels, uh, we already talked about overproduction of dopamine, but when you're younger, it leaves deeper grooves in your in neurology. Now, what that, what that means is um, uh, an impression that's more lasting and deeper. Um, now, neuroplasticity is, is kind of our friend. Um, that means that your, your brain can change and uh, you can sort of teach it sort of new paths um, with some work. Uh, so neuroplasticity is good, but, but when a, a young man is introduced to pornography at an earlier age, that means there's a deeper rut that is created in that young man's heart, or, or woman for that matter. Um, according to the Journal of Adolescent Health, prolonged exposure to pornography um, does several things. Um, prolonged exposure to a younger person uh, number one, an exaggerated perception of sexual activity in society. Um, uh, there's sort of this expectation that everybody's more sexual than they really are, and it leaves our society, everybody thinking, oh, I better do more. Uh, there's more expectations to sort of be like the actors and actresses in pornography, and so it just makes everything more and more perverted. It's like the snowball effect that's happening to our culture. 
So just normal people are being expected to do um, more pornographic type things. Um, and it exaggerates that exposure to porn, especially to younger people. Number two, diminish trust between in intimate couples. This is, this is not a Christian organization, by the way. This is just um, the studies on what pornography, uh, especially as, as younger uh, people are exposed to it. Um, there's um, a diminished trust between intimate couples, the abandonment of hope of sexual monogamy. Um, th there's actually a, a problem in our culture that says, yeah, nobody can be faithful. Nobody can have one wife and be faithful to her. So I'm gonna fail at some point. So there's almost like an expectation of failure uh, when it comes to monogamy. Um, and monogamy, by the way, for some of you guys, doesn't mean one at a time. Uh, just so you know, I'm just, just trying to say, explain this to you guys. It means one person to have sex with your whole life. Um, that's what God prescribes. That's what the Bible says. Our culture has gotten totally whacked on this and it's, it's largely due to this exposure to pornography at a younger ages. People abandon the hope of monogamy. Uh, number four, uh, belief that promiscuity is the natural state. It's natural. Um, we live in a culture uh, that sort of says, well, man, the man's got the problem. A woman can wear whatever she wants and if a guy's lusting after her, that's his fault. Um, but actually, the Bible actually teaches something that some people say, well, that's very old fashioned. But the woman to dress modestly? Well, um, if you're a guy going to church trying to worship the Lord, we're thankful. We're thankful when women say, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna dress modestly at church so that um, guys aren't thinking about my body. But this world is like, oh, that's horrible to try to tell a woman how she should dress. Um, but the truth is, we're, we're spiraling down and nobody wants to admit some of the reasons why. But we've just kind of said, nah, promiscuity, that's just the natural state of man. Number five, belief that abstinence and sexual inactivity are unhealthy. Um, it's unhealthy. Uh, we, have, we have parents that I've met, even in our own church, that are encouraging their teenagers, ah, go out and mess around. You need to kind of mess around to kind of get to know who you are and get your, like, like even Christian families I've seen get it sucked into this belief that abstinence and sexual inactivity for a teenager is unhealthy. No, uh, that's totally against the word of God, by the way. Um, also, it promotes cynicism about love um, or for affection between sexual partners. Um, uh, belief that marriage is sexually confining. Uh, that leads to that kind of worldview. And then uh, finally, the lack of attraction to family and child raising. This is what exposure to pornography at young ages leads to. And we're seeing this in our culture. Um, you, know, there, you know, marriage is becoming a rare thing. People getting married in the old fashioned way, raising family and children. We've kind of changed the whole thing. One of, by the way, Black Lives Matter, one of their things you know, was to say, we're gonna dismantle the nuclear family. That was part of their manifesto in the early days. And they took it off their website since the beginning days, but it was there uh, for a long time until guys like me were exposing it when all the pastors were posting Black Lives Matter. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, I don't care who you are, but we're, we're pro-family here. We like a mom and a dad and kids. Um, by the way, yeah, yeah, amen to that. Um, but, um, but it's funny, where does that come from? Who would wanna dismantle the nuclear family? Who would wanna do that? People have been looking at porn all their lives. 
Um, they, don't, they don't care about a mother and a father and uh, kids are just sort of a result of having sex. So it takes a village, raise the child that was born. You know, in Sweden, they don't even do marriage anymore. They just uh, make a business agreement. Hey, would you like to have a child with me? And then our town can sort of raise this child. Uh, and it's a strange world we're living in now. Um, there's, very, there's a big movement against a father and a mother and uh, the raising of children. That all comes from, I think, all this exposure uh, to this idea of pornography. Um, um, by the way, you know, porn introduced um, uh, to younger people. Did you know, this is something, you know, you, you, some of you guys are my age and, and older. Do you remember before, when you didn't know what ED was? Like, I remember seeing, what's, what's ED, honey, what's ED? And the guy's, in, you know, in the, with his wife sitting on the beach, hey. You know, and, and there's this commercial, and what, what is ED? And it was never a thing. It, it just wasn't a thing. Um, but suddenly in the last 20, 30 years, it's become this big thing, um, you know, erectile dysfunction. Um, you know, uh, what's interesting, by the way, um, and, and this is hard to find research on this one because uh, there's a bunch of reasons. People like to sell medications um, and what have you, uh, but um, porn-induced erectile dysfunction. Let's just talk about that. Um, you know, people, men and women that look at, at, you know, porn, men that look at porn, uh, they become unable in a normal situation. Why is that? Remember the dopamine thing? Remember how the dopamine takes more, the more you engage, it takes more of a rush to, to make you feel that same level of a rush. And, and then what people don't understand is in a normal, healthy, holy marriage relationship, that's not enough of a rush, not even close. Because you've been looking at stuff on pornography that is crazy level, you know, actors and actresses engaging in stuff that's totally perverted. And that's what it takes to get you sort of get a rise sexually. And so when you try to engage, you're like, oh, I must have ED. Uh, I must be getting older or whatever people say. But science is saying, you know, um, most of ED is porn induced. Now, here's how they know this. Once a, a man, uh, and there's very few of these to find, that have, you know, banned porn in their lives. There's some interesting things about this, by the way. Um, did you know if you're an older man and you're experiencing ED, there's some studies that have been done. If you ban porn, how long does it take you to get back to more of a normal function sexually uh, with this erectile dysfunction thing? It takes an older man two months of Banning porn, two months. You say, wow. But if you take a young man that is, uh, uh, you know, 25 or younger, and you get him to ban porn, and he's been looking at porn since he was a, a young teenager, how long does it take for him to get uh, past erectile dysfunction? Four to five months. That's a weird thing. Like, when does, when does a younger guy take longer to recover from something than an older guy? Erectile dysfunction, that's interesting to me. And it has to do with the deep channel that's cut in a younger man's mind than an older man's mind. Um, and that's, that's just the science of it. Um, young men, four to five months, so you gotta ban porn in four to five months before you can kind of function more normally the way God intended without being sort of high on dopamine and the next big rush. So when you come off of pornography, your brain can heal itself. That's, that's neuroplasticity. You can enjoy normal things and get a dopamine rush off of normal stuff like hanging out with your family, 
you know, watching a fun movie. Um, you know, things can kind of get back to normal. But when you're looking at porn, um, this is what happens. You, 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 to be interested, to be engaged, the more a guy gets involved with pornography, um, pretty soon everything else is kind of boring. You lose a, a, your attention span. Um, some people are linking sort of more of an adult level ADHD to porn addiction because you're just not interested by anything unless it's pornography because it, it does nothing for you in your dopamine levels. So when you were a normal dude before porn, BP, you, you could go work out in the gym and pump some weights and you felt a dopamine rush from that. You felt good after that. Um, or you, know, you could have uh, a whole bag of potato chips and you felt dopamine rush. <laughs> okay, when you're really healthy, maybe a few chips. Uh, you, you'd have a dopamine rush. But the more porn you look at, those things don't give you that rush anymore. And pretty soon life looks pretty dismal and nothing seems very fun anymore. And this is not just me talking. This is, this is the, the studies that have been done are showing that um, the, the, the person who's engaging in porn, uh, especially the high amounts of porn, like hours a day, and this happens, um, suddenly that's when people start getting suicidal and start doing things that are extremely deviant, illegal, and hurtful to their own lives, marriages being broken up, prostitution, like all this stuff that a guy's just looking for the next big rush. Um, so I'm still being nerdy here, what do you gotta do? There's a dopamine detox where you have to let your brain get back to normal. That's why so many guys, by the way, try to get off porn and try to quit. Remember I said, you know, the answer is don't look at porn. Why do so many guys struggle with that? And girls too. Why, why, why did so many people struggle with this idea of just don't look at porn? You think that's so easy. Like, like at least with food, I've got the excuse, a guy's gotta eat. Like you can't go cold turkey, no more food. Brad, you could probably do that for a couple of years. You'd be all right. Uh, <laughs> it's hard, man. You, you still gotta eat. But with pornography, oh, come on. It's just, why, why don't we just say no more porn? That, that should be easy, but it's not. Why? Because that, that, you know, dopamine detox takes time sometimes. And you gotta let your brain get back to normal and, and create a new path with your neuroplasticity. What does that mean? Have you ever, um, you know, like been, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, you know, you're hiking on a trail through the woods, uh, the Pacific Crest Trail. And, and you know, it's pretty well beaten down and it's, it's, you know, somebody logged and got all the logs out of the way. It's a pathway. But have you ever seen like there's a zigzag or something, but there's a little path that sort of gets off and you can go faster another way. Um, and so you start, you take this, the, a secondary trail, but that's the trail less traveled. And it might even be a little harder because nobody came and cut the wood and got stuff out of the way, but you take that path anyway. This is kind of what you have to do with your brain. When you've been looking at porn for years, that's the big path that's been cut in your brain and it's the weeds are gone and it's, it's easy. It's just where you naturally go. But when you say, I'm, I'm not gonna go down that path and you take a different path, it's gonna be rougher and you have to watch your step and you might have to move a log or two and uh, you know, but it's a new path. And, but here's the thing, if you just keep taking that harder path and if you keep doing it, eventually that path starts to get a beaten down kind of a thing. And the other path, well, weeds start growing and pretty soon, you know, a tree falls and it's kind of, and, and your new path, that's the new thing. That's how your brain works. So when you're looking at pornography, you've cut the path. And it's been that some of you guys since you were five years old, your dad's pile of Playboy is under his bed and you were looking at it back then. 
that cut a deep path. According to the science, that cut a deep path. And that's true not only of that, but even sexual abuse. If you were abused as a child, and man, it's so sad when you start finding out the statistics on uh, sexual abuse of children. Um, you know, we, we only see a tiny fraction. We only catch, you know, a tiny fraction of, of the incidents where people have been abused sexually. It's so, so heartbreaking. And it's getting worse the more pornography gets prolific. Um, and it has to do with that deviant sexual behavior of people, you know, the older generation that's been perverted because of porn and all this stuff. And they, they, they're at that place where they're willing to do something crazy, sinful, illegal, and hurtful. And sadly, the younger children are now the victims, but it's cutting a path in their neuro pathways at a very early age. It's, it's just the giant snowball effect. And you might say, well, Brett, there's no hope. Well, good news, there is hope because guess what? You can change, you can change that stuff. Now, now this is the, the nerdy stuff I'm talking about. Dopamine, neuropathways, neuroplasticity. This is all stuff that, um, that is, is legitimate and real. And, and there's ways to sort of cut the new paths. Remember the, the porn cycle we were talking about? The temptation that starts out and then the situation? That's where you have to say, I'm gonna choose to take the new path right there. And you gotta figure out what your triggers are. What are the triggers of the temptations that get you and me engaging in stuff that's just evil and wrong? You gotta figure that out. What are your triggers? And identify them. Um, I was talking to a teacher uh, the other day of, of, of fifth grade kids, and um, this teacher was telling me how there was this little girl that was new, uh, like, like, like a couple weeks ago, new in her classroom. And they introduced this little girl because she was known to be a little horror and she wasn't doing well in any of the other classrooms so they were giving it to this other teacher hoping that she could help this poor girl. And, um, and the good news is uh, this little girl is actually thriving in the new classroom. And I was kind of talking to the teacher about this, but um, it just kind of, it, it kind of cracked me up because um, you know she was sort of bracing for this terror because she was known to tear apart classrooms and, and dismantle desks and throw things and children out windows, like a crazy fifth grade girl, little girl. But um, uh, this teacher just started to really, really have a heart for this little girl and, 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 and was starting to realize what triggered her crazy temper and, and you know, all this stuff. Um, but the little girl was even figuring this out. Um, the teacher was telling me she gave an assignment where she had to, they were filling out the names of the continents and, and stuff on a, a little piece of paper that had the continents you had to write. But this started to stress, the, it, was, it was a hard assignment for her. And, <laughs> and the teacher said the little girl kind of started going like this with her hands. And, and, and you know, the teacher said, uh, are you okay? Said, I'm feeling triggered right now. That's what she said, I'm feeling triggered. And now where did she learn that language? Probably some counselor that told her, now there's triggers when you start feeling a certain way. But I thought, oh, this little girl, bless her heart, she's figured it out. She knows what she's feeling. So the teacher was able to say, you know what? You don't have to do this assignment. You know what, there's some other things we'll work on. And, and suddenly it brought the little girl back down and it was just learning how to kind of take it down another pathway. It wasn't that the little girl wasn't gonna learn something, but that was, that was not what she was gonna learn today. And I thought, oh Lord, give, give us all the strength of that little fifth grade girl to realize, oh, I'm feeling triggered. Wouldn't it be great if you see a guy stand on the street corner and there's some girls walking by, 
<laughs> Pastor Brad, I'm, I'm feeling triggered. Uh, you know, nobody wants to admit that with pornography or lust. Uh, nobody wants to admit that, but that's what's happening. And, and when you can identify that and say, you know what, it's time to change that neuro pathway and I gotta go down that different pathway. It's gonna be a little harder and I'm not gonna go down the beaten path. What's, the, what's that pathway that I've been going down? Well, that's when you go and you find a private place and you go and do something and try to, you know, relieve whatever, you know, sexual tension you have or whatever. And, and that's what gets guys feeling the, this, the, this porn cycle over and over and failure and guilt and, and it's just failure after failure. But when you start recognizing where those triggers are, you kind of say, I gotta do something different. Um, now, a lot of the psychology people will tell you, get a hobby, you know, or go beat a post with a stick. Um, or, you know, like, like I always kind of crack up with the weird things the world comes up with. And I'm not saying there's no, um, there's no validity to doing some of those other things. Like creating a new path might just be uh, for you to take up some hobby and instead of going off and looking at your computer, maybe you go down to the garage and start working on a project. Um, and you get your mind on something else. Uh, you know, there, I, there's, there's some legitimate stuff, you know, um, but to really break free, you need to replace that bad habit and the situation, remember the situation? So you got the temptation and then you have to create the situation that's not like the normal situation where you've sort of made yourself able to sort of engage in pornography. You've created it to where nobody's gonna catch you, nobody's gonna find you out. Uh, you gotta get out of that and say, I'm gonna uh, create a situation that I have a, a, an escape hatch, um, like the hiking path that, that is a new path that you're gonna make. Maybe some people say sport, maybe some people say go work out. But um, I, I wanna remind you more of a biblical method. You can do all that other stuff, working out, sports, uh, hobbies, rebuilding a car in the shop or whatever you're doing. But, but I kind of think there's, there's a more of a spiritual element that the psychologists leave out of this equation. And that is the power of God and the power of his word. Um, don't forget that. That's such a huge thing that I think we forget. You know, it's, it's like this, Psalm 119 verses nine through 11. Wherewithal, that's a fancy King James word of saying how. <laughs> how shall a young man cleanse his way? And here the Bible gives it to us by taking heed thereto according to thy word. That means, you know, taking heed to the word, listening to the word. With my whole heart have I sought thee, O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. See, I believe if you wanna do the changing of your neuroplasticity and the pathways in your brain, if you wanna change them, you can sort of put that on steroids with the word of God, because the word of God is living and powerful. Your uh, 57 Chevy in the shop is not living and powerful. It might help with your changing of your pathways and all that, but it's not living and powerful. It's probably dead and still not starting. <laughs> but, um, but the word of God is that which, which helps us uh, to, 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 to do that. Um, and by the way, um, you know, so when, you, when you, you have the word of God, what a great tool. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. How shall a young man cleanse his way? Thy word. Um, uh, you know, Ephesians 5.25, Christ washes his church in the water of the word. Jesus said, John 15, now you are clean by the word that I've spoken unto you. Like the word, the word, the word. I hope you guys have, you know, those scriptures. And I always talk about, I talked about this last time when we were on this. Do you have ammo scripture? That when you are tempted, you have ammo scripture to, to just speak it out. It's hard to be lusting after the woman when you're quoting scripture. Because most of us can't walk and chew gum at the same time. 
So you, so, so you see that temptation, you turn your head and you say, James 1.12, blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he has tried, he will receive the crown of life, which is promised to those who love him. Or even this verse here, you gotta memorize. Um, you're about ready to lust and let that you know, temptation become a situation. So you change it and say, uh, you know, Psalm 119, wherewithal, how shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Like, do you have scripture ammo that you can fire away when the enemy throws the fiery dart at you? Um, there's, there's a bunch of other things. Um, what about prayer? Um, does anybody know, um, is there a way to sort of give a um, uh, hyper boost to prayer? Anybody wanna try to answer that? How do you boost prayer? Anybody? What? Practicing. practicing it? That's a good one. You gotta, yeah, if you're not praying, you gotta practice prayer. That's a good one. We, on your knees, that's a good thing. We just talked about this in Daniel, the one I'm thinking about. Fasting, somebody said it. Fasting and praying. Have you ever, some of you guys that have, have wrestled with this as a lifelong thing, and, and I bet there's a lot of guys and don't feel like, oh, I'm the only guy in here struggling with this. No, uh, the statistics say most of the guys in here are struggling with pornography and some people have struggled with it since they were little kids and it's gotten horrible. So don't feel like you're alone in this. But, but you know, this is something that you gotta do battle about. When I say just don't look at porn, um, you can't just say, well, I'm just not gonna look at porn anymore. You gotta kind of realize you're in a battle. It's a spiritual battle. And, and, you know, I wonder, remember, remember when Jesus uh, cast the demons out and the disciples couldn't? Remember that? Um, we talked about Daniel fasting and praying, but um, in Mark chapter nine, Jesus made this statement that I think is pretty you know, profound. Um, Mark 9, 28 and 29. And when he was come to, to the house, his disciples asked him privately, they pulled Jesus aside and said, hey, you know, why could not we cast this demon out? You cast him out, why couldn't we cast him out? And Jesus said to them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Let me ask you guys something. Do you think pornography has a demonic element? <laughs> yeah, all the guys are like, uh, yeah. Um, there, there's a demonic element to pornography. Um, I hope you understand that. And it's like Satan, you know, it's, it's like Satan has one play. And he uses that same play over and over and over again. Why would a football team use the same play over and over again? Anybody? Because it's working. Man, if it's up the middle and you make nine yards every time up the middle, then you just run that play until your you know, running back can't run anymore. You know, like, like the enemy uses porn. Like that's the lure. You know, we're all these fish in the water. Who another shiny. And we go for it. We bite and there we are, oh, we've got a fighter, fighter, Satan's just, just reeled him in, you know? Um, and and it's, he, he runs the same play uh, over and over and over again. I wonder if, if that, you know, the darkness of porn and the dark sins that have plagued you and, and have allowed Satan to make you feel horrible and guilty and dirty and, you know, disgusting and shameful. I wonder if he just loves keeping you there and maybe it's time to say, I'm, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna use the scripture ammo, but I'm also gonna do some fasting and praying. Now, brother, are you suggesting that we're possessed with demons? Nope, I'm not one who believes that a Christian can be possessed with a devil or demon. Um, but I do believe that Christians can be oppressed by demons and Satan. Um, we know that, like that's something the Bible shows us. While we can't be possessed, we can be 
uh, I, I like to say we can be obsessed. I know Christians that are obsessed by demons and the devil's gonna get you and all that stuff. Uh, those guys are a little wacko too. But, but, but I do believe we can be oppressed by demons. You remember when Jesus said, oh, get thee behind me, Satan. Was he calling Peter Satan? No, I think, I think he realized that he was, he was about to be sort of oppressed. In the same way when Jesus was led out in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. That was the devil sort of oppressing Jesus with temptation. But good news, Jesus didn't cave in. Why? Because he had scripture ammo. Jesus spoke scripture. Every time the temptation came, Jesus spoke scripture against Satan. And eventually Satan flee. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. This is what the Bible tells us. Like the Bible gives you and me as men all the tools we need to do, do battle. But we first of all have to realize it's a battle. And you don't show up to the battle uh, you know, with a little Swiss army knife. You gotta bring the sword of the spirit, the word of God, and you gotta bring the, the powerful tools we're given, prayer, and, and, and maybe prayer and fasting. I wonder if this one leaves you alone through the process of prayer and fasting. Um, maybe we need to kind of take that up because it is dark and it is oppressive, fasting. And by the way, um, I, I'm gonna say this quickly. Don't fast like a non-Christian. What do you mean, Brett? you know, for health reasons or for diets. You can do that if you want to, but that's a very different thing. Um, you're not doing, when you fast for a spiritual reason, you're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it to rid yourself of yourself. Do you understand that? Fasting is to deny your flesh, which is what we need to do when it comes to sexual sin as well. I see kind of an interesting link to denying your flesh with fasting and with, with uh, you know, pornography. Uh, and food, you know, and that stuff as well. I, I wonder if we haven't really tapped into that, you know. Um, and, you know, Jesus talked about this in Matthew 6. I'm running out of time. I can't believe how quickly the time goes when I talk about pornography, guys. Uh, <clears throat> Matthew 6, <clears throat> verses 16 through um, 18. Moreover, when you fast, not if you fast, Jesus says when you fast, implying that that's kind of what we should be doing. <clears throat> it says, be not like the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they just disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head with, uh, and, and, and wish, uh, wash your face, uh, you know, and, and uh, that thou might appear unto men not to fast. Don't be pouting around, I'm fasting and praying, you know. Um, but your father, which is in secret, and, and your father which sees in secret, what'll he do? He'll reward thee openly. Just something about that, I, 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 it's one of the tools, I'm not sure a lot of people connect to the, the porn addiction issue, but I think it just might be really one of the powerful tools the word gives us. So the craziest parts of porn addiction, man, is the shame and uh, the, the, the sense of how disgusting it really is and how you feel about yourself. And that's right where the devil wants you. Um, um, and, and, and here's what I wanna say, because one of the things of this, this thing is, is Satan has had a field day with defeating men. Men are just defeated. We live in a culture where we're just inundated with images and man, you can, you can watch Disney programs now and <clears throat> there's lustful images and like it's just crazy how, how we're just inundated. But um, I, I, wanna, I wanna just say this guys and I know this sounds mishy-gishy and I'm, I'm not a mishy-gishy guy but I do know this, I know there's a lot of men that pretty much, you know, are disgusted with themselves. And, um, and um, that's right where the devil wants you, but I, I need to remind you, God still loves you. <laughs> I know that almost, uh, Brett, that's, oh, come on, that doesn't sound like you. No, I'm, I, I'm serious. God still loves you. Um, remember the pig pen? 
that the prodigal son was in, he was sitting in the slop with the pigs and he didn't even take a shower. But when he came back to his father, his father didn't say, go take a shower, then we'll kill the fatted calf and I might give you a kiss. Uh, no, he came out and hugged him and kissed him. Um, man, I love that. Jesus died on the cross for porn addicts. I hope you understand that. Porn addiction is not the unpardonable sin. Um, you know, uh, there is some scary scripture that says if you continually practice fornication, like if you're working at getting better at looking at pornography or engaging in sexual immorality, if you're trying to get better and better at that, I, I wouldn't wanna be in your shoes. Like that's a bad situation. It says you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. So there are some scary scriptures, but the struggle, if you're struggling with pornography, man, you know, Jesus, good news, he's the forgiver of sins and, um, and he loves you and he'll forgive you. And, and guess what? His mercies are new every morning. And how long does his mercy endure for? Forever. Forever. Don't be defeated, guys. Don't say, man, I've been fighting this so long. There's never, I'm never gonna, you know, sometimes I wonder if there's some guys, and, and I don't wanna discourage you by saying this, but I also, some of you guys, are, I noticed a few gray hairs in here. Some of you guys may say, Brad, I don't know if I'm ever gonna fully conquer this. Well, do you think you'll ever get to that place? And I, I think some of you young guys, well, at least when I'm you know, old like you, Brett, I won't have any temptations anymore. Um, well, that just is not true. Um, there's some guys that go to their grave struggling with pornography. But I, I'd say that's the key is to struggle against it. Wrestle, fight, do battle. And how do you do battle? Man, just remember these scriptures from our last time we talked about this. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Prayer, scripture, uh, changing your pathways. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And that's important. Um, um, let me finish up with this as it's getting late. Um, at Athey Creek, people say, Brett, do you have a porn addiction pr program? Um, we do, it's just not like what some people wish it was. They, so, some people wanna have a big group and we all get together, I'm, hi Brett, I'm, I, I struggle with pornography. Hi Brett, you know, the whole you know, 12 steps and circle of chairs and stuff. Um, that's not really what we feel is the best thing is to get a bunch of guys together and talk about porn. Um, and I know there are some groups that help you know, with those things. And, and man, I could even recommend some groups, you know, and stuff like that that have helped guys. Um, and we do. But at Athey Creek, um, we have kind of a, an identification process of what your problem is. Level one, uh, we'll call this level one. Um, you made a mistake. You stumbled on some stuff and clicked a few clicks and you, got, you just kind of got caught up in the moment and you fell into sin. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of that, you know, Galatians says, um, you know, deal tenderly with the brother or sister who's been overtaken in a fault. You which are spiritual, come and restore such one in spirit of meekness, lest you might also be tempted. Um, that's level one. If you've stumbled on some porn and you accidentally, and you looked at it, man, um, I'd call that level one. And what do you do with that? Man, you repent and you confess that to the Lord. And you, uh, next time you're at the table of communion, you'll know, say, Lord, forgive me for that, wash me. And he'll remember your sins no more and you get a new start. Um, there's some people that struggle with porn about that level, level one. The next level is level two. And I would call that level two where you're struggling on a regular basis. Man, you know, you're like, like we talked about those statistics. The guy that looks at porn a couple times a month or more. Um, you know, level two, that, that gets to be something that might need to take it to DEFCON two. And, and how do you do that? Man, that's where you engage with one of our pastors at church. We got a great team of pastors and where you come and actually confess your sin to that pastor and say, man, I struggle with pornography. 
And what we'll do is then I'll march in front of the church, say, okay, this guy's struggling with porn, this guy's struggling. No, I won't do that. I won't do that. That's your fear, I know. Um, no, we, that's where we work with you pr privately, uh, lovingly. Um, and we might even connect you with uh, uh, other brothers um, to kind of say, man, let's, let's work on this and be accountable to one another. And so that's part of our process is if you're at this level two struggle, and a lot of guys are, we, we, we help them and we'll work with you. And, and you gotta, but you gotta connect and there's power in the confession of your sin and, and the Lord will honor that. Um, level two. Level three is where you're totally addicted. Um, living dangerously, starting to do dangerous behaviors. Um, and, um, and, you know, sometimes guys that are at this level don't even realize they're at that level. But, you know, uh, engaging prostitution, um, having a, committing adultery with someone who's not your wife and having a relationship off on the side, um, that's gonna hurt you. And, and what we'll do is, you still come to one of our pastors, but kind of this level three, there's some good programs and counselors and people that are not, that are outside of Athe Creek that will sometimes recommend guys, and you gotta engage in a deeper, more consistent kind of hard work to get out of this uh, level three. And we'll help you with that. And we'll give you some good advice. And there's some great counselors we know and people that we can connect you with. Even there's retreats guys go to and uh, go deep dive into just getting help biblically and, and spiritually. Um, but, um, but I end with this little verse right here, Proverbs 28, 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. Did you hear that? If you just kind of cover it up and say, man, I'm, I'm just, Brad, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to tackle this by myself secretively. Um, you might, if, it, if it's a level one where you just stumbled into it, you might be able to say, man, I'm gonna deal with this, me and the Lord, and, and that might be the end of it, and that's good. But if you're at a level two, this that I just sort of identified, if you're covering your sin, the Bible says you will not prosper, but whoso confesseth, and forsaketh shall have mercy. That's what you need. And brothers, I tell you this with a compassionate heart, don't deny this verse because too many guys have tried to cover their sin for years and they're not prospering. Um, and you're wondering why. But man, the Lord says you'll have mercy if you confess your sin. And you can do that with one of our pastors or, or get an accountability group of brothers um, again, this teaching here couples with the one we did back in 2016, and we'll continue to do more. There was another one, and I can't remember what it was called, where we talked about the tech. Uh, maybe we'll get a link for you guys at some point on that, where we talked about accountability software and, and all that stuff. Um, but guys, let's not let Satan get one more inch on this one. Let's, let's, let's take these thoughts captive to the tearing down of strongholds in Jesus' name. Let's pray together. Lord, this topic uh, is one that um, so many uh, seem to avoid because of its awkwardness and the shame that's involved with it. But Lord, I'm so thankful that um, nothing's new or surprising to you. Um, you see our sin for what it is, and you also um, know our hearts and our minds, and there's nothing that's hidden from you. So I pray that we'd be open and honest with you, Lord, and, and that there'd be just a great victory. Um, Lord, we pray for Athey Creek, that the men of Athey Creek would, would walk in true victory. Oh, Lord, put a hedge of protection around our young men, our, our young boys, and, and um, that, Lord, we just see how the enemy's just trying to suck in everyone to this huge pit of pornography. Lord, guard our kids' minds. Um, Lord, help them to, to have a, 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 such a, a, an amazing desire 
to follow after you, that, that they would early learn how to do battle with the topic of lust and with pornography. Give dads and grandfathers wisdom of how to um, introduce these challenges, but also the, the weapons of our warfare that are not carnal, but, but spiritual to the tearing down of strongholds. Give us wisdom, Lord. Um, bless these men, bless these families that are represented, not just the men of atheism, but the women who struggle with this too. Oh Lord, we pray that you'd deliver, that you'd heal, and that the things that Satan has done, that Lord, you'd heal those, those things and, and restore unto us the years that the locusts have eaten. So bless, we pray. We commit all this now to you in Jesus' name, amen.